hear a lot of hairdressers are not driven by money. I am driven by money. I like making money. I like being able to. But the idea is like, it does unlock some things. It unlocks opportunities for you to do. It's just the question is, are you going to be responsible with it? Mm -hmm. Hi, everyone. I'm Sid Sharice. And I'm David Bosher. And you're listening to Destroy the Hairdresser, the podcast. Where we teach you to salon differently. I just got a new customized booking website. That's genius. Yeah, Gloss Genius. Gloss Genius has one of the lowest processing fees in the industry at 2.6% with no hidden fees and free same-day deposits. DTH listeners get their first month free on us as well as your very own stunning credit card reader, an $80 value. To sign up, visit dth.glossgenius.com. Sid, do you want to introduce our listeners to one of our favorite podcast sponsors? Absolutely. This episode is sponsored by Karg Shears, a reputable brand born in Switzerland created by Mike Karg. Why do we love Karg Shears so much? Karg Shears are made with the highest end and most durable Japanese steel that work for dry and wet cutting. We decided to team up with Karg because of their unique approach to handcrafted shears, customer service, and a simple love for the hairdresser. Tap the link in the episode description to receive a special DTH promotion for your new shears. You are going to love them. Every stylist that I know says the same thing Mm -hmm. every year in the month of January. (laughs) (laughs) Besides, I can't even. They say, I'm not going to raise my prices until the new year. Yeah. And oh, I'll do that, but in January. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to raise my prices in January. I'm going to raise my prices when everyone has already paid me mm-hmm. and no one wants to come to the salon because the holidays just ended and it's winter and we're hibernating. And then I'm going to have a panic attack because no one's coming in January, which mm-hmm. is normally And then I'm gonna blame. Month. I'm going to blame it on my price increase. I mean, because what else would you blame it on? Not January. Facts. <laughs> every, That's not logical. Every stylist. I, how, we've done it. I've done it. I will admit to doing it. The best time to raise your prices as a hairdresser is right before the holidays. Yeah. I would say November is Quarter the best. Quarter four. Quarter four. Yeah. I would say November is the best month to raise your prices. It's right before everyone is rushing to get their hair done. Mm-hmm. And you got to make that money. Absolutely. And no and one's going to be like, oh, that's too much. Yeah. Right now, I'm going to go look for someone else. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, if people try to guilt you, which they will, like, it's Christmas, it's the holidays, your money is not my problem. Yeah, your income's not my If you are choosing to get your hair done, which is a luxury service, it is not a necessity. Wait, it's not essential? No. <laughs> well, I think so, but <laughs> that's the thing. You... What? What? You're either going to come to me or not. And, and that's the thing. Clients do that. They will guilt you. And we've all had it. Not everyone. I love I love my clients because they are not like that. They also follow me and listen to me talk about this stuff. So they're very engaged and they know that I'm going to keep raising my prices. And yeah. they also know that they might not be able to afford me and that's okay too. And we hug and go our separate ways and that's okay. I always have stylists or salon owners who will say, well, what happens if we just start charging too much and no one gets their hair done? I'm like, that's not... It's not a thing. It's not going to happen. And the goal is that as you raise your prices to a more premium level, you do lose people. I have to say this. I think people believe that there are poor people Mm -hmm. and there are wealthy people. Yeah. And there's nothing in between. Yeah. And I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure if people understand that what economically is considered wealthy 
and what emotionally we consider wealthy are very different things. There are people in the world that make over $300,000, $400,000, $500,000. Or have dual house incomes. Yeah. Yeah. There's different versions of, of wealth. And then within those boxes, there are different priorities they have. Mm-hmm. And hair is, hair and beauty, yeah. it's the number one, it's one of the fastest growing industries and projected to just keep growing. And so we're in that industry, we're in one of the most wealthiest industries out there. Fashion isn't even this yeah. popular. It's a good time to be a hairdresser. I think people think if they raise their prices over $100 anywhere, because even in New York, this, I, I feel like mm-hmm. I've seen this, that they need to find the Jeff Bezos of the community <laughs> there's to no, be able to afford Because there's that. no one that makes good money besides. It's either Jeff Bezos or the rest of us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, that's the thing. It's like, they think that like, oh, if I charge three hours and I'm charging $300, who's going to afford that? Lots of people. Right. And not just that. It's, it's not just about that. Again, we have to get out of people's pockets because there are so many people that are in the lower economic brackets that will save their money to invest in getting their hair done by you yeah. because they've seen you on Instagram or they want to meet you or they want specifically your hair done. Now, can they come every six weeks? No, because that's changed. They might see you once a year, but that once yeah. a year, they're going to invest that money into it. I think, too, I hear from students and listeners and Instagram followers, well, if you know you all teach to charge people premium amounts, but then you're you know you're not taking care of the the lower income community or the or the poor community, um, or we'll even get that you're not taking care of the black community, which mm-hmm. I find really insulting. That it's a bit racist to assume that. Why is the black community all of a sudden put into the poor? What is mm-hmm. happening there? And that's usually by a white person telling us Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Um, my partner is black and is pretty affluent. I would not say mm-hmm. this person is poor at all. So there's this, I've had this conversation with him. I'm like, there's an assumption, especially with white people, that black people are poor and that makes it, you know, that makes charging premium amounts not a good idea or, mm-hmm. or, or racist or whatever. This is just not true. Now, are there exponentially more people of color in poverty than white people? Yes. Which is also a whole other It's a whole other topic. But... The goal of people making more money is not about getting rid of or shunning or shaming the, the, the poor community or, the, or people in lower income brackets. It's saying, I'm going to go make more money. And then with the consciousness of that, I'm going to give back in, in bigger ways. Like we give back to the Center for Black Equity. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't talk about it, so no one knows we do it. But we, we give um, 1% of our yearly profits. And then we also double those sales. 10% during Black History Month and 10% during um, Pride, Pride Month. Mm-hmm. So we're it's giving... 100% gay-owned business. Yeah, we gay. And we own this <laughs> we company. Um, but we, give, we make money to give back to underprivileged centers. We mm-hmm. chose the Center for Black Equity because it is focusing on LGBTQIA the Black youth. youth. Yeah. And that's what we've chosen. And that's going to have more of an impact. To be able to keep giving more, our company has to make more. Mm-hmm. Now, do all companies do this? No. No. Should companies do it? Yes. Can salons do this? Absolutely. Should they do it? Yes. yes. <laughs> but by not making money, your impact on the world cannot be as great. Mm-hmm. I always tell people, like, Oprah can do more because she has money. Mm-hmm. If Oprah had spent her career trying to cater or pander to a 
lower income audience or make sure that she stayed there with them, we wouldn't have You also are responsible to do more. Like, you should think about, okay, what can I do? Like, when I think about the people that make so much ungodly money, it's not even spendable. It's not even worth it. Yeah, it's like, what? I just watched this show called Squid Game. Just now? Just now. I'm late to every show. Uh, I can't watch things when everyone else is watching them. It gives me anxiety. So Squid Game, long story short, I'm not going to tell you the ending. For those of you that haven't watched it, it is a Korean show. It's very good. But basically, this man is so wealthy, Mm -hmm. and he was so bored Mm. that the only thing that he could find that would be fun was to kill people. Mm -hmm. And there's this level, like, when I'm watching this movie, I'm like, this person is literally— Can just give it away? (laughs) —has so much money— that amount of money removed every amount of happiness that he could have had. He had to do something so far beyond yeah. to have some feeling, yeah. right? And I think that there are people in the world that have way too much money. And we're an industry that we are connected with those people. If you look at history... Hairdressers have always been they've always with been, the wealthy. They've always been connected to the wealthy. And, I mean, there's even stories about Cleopatra... Mm. Um, she, I was like, where are you going? She had, uh, they didn't call her a hairdresser, but it was someone who maintained her beauty, mm-hmm. like did everything for her. Cool. And I love um, that. Maintain your Maintained beauty. her beauty. And I cannot think of this woman's name, but she would do her hair. She would do her makeup. She would do all these things. But she was also an advisor. Yeah. And if you listen to... Sounds like every hairdresser I know today. Yeah. Barack Obama's um, barber. He, w- they would talk, they would have conversations. That was a connection that helped the president at the time understand what was going on in different communities. And, and I think that we as hairdressers were talked down to, like you're a hairdresser because you didn't go to college, or you're a hairdresser because, I don't know, whatever the hell was the only option. And then we're kind of then gas lit mm-hmm. into... Now we're supposed to remain at this $27,000 medium income. Yeah. I mean, no one went into this career thinking, I'm just going to sit right here at this bracket. Right. Like, I'm just going to run my body into the ground. But then we're told not to go too far above that. Yeah. Charge too much because then people won't come to you. And this isn't true. I'm pretty sure, um, I'm pretty sure Barack Obama paid a lot of money for for his haircut. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Oprah pays a lot of money for her. Yeah. For her hair. I'm sure that Ellen DeGeneres, even though some people are, don't like her, mm-hmm. I'm sure she paid a lot of money for her hairdresser. Yeah. So there's, there's it's very valuable. It's a valuable process. It's an intimate process. Which is why people, even in lower economic brackets, will save their money to spend it. I remember when I was younger and I was not making a lot of money and I was in hair or I was, you know, working behind the chair and I was working in a restaurant and I was, you know, working all the hours that I could possibly work. And I would still spend my money on something that I found valuable. Was it a smart financial decision? No. But was that the problem of the person that I was purchasing something from? No. No. And we take we think we're responsible for their financial decisions. Like if they're sitting in in our chairs and saying, "Oh, I can't afford this or that," why are you here? Right. You know what I mean? Like why? Like your poor financial skills have nothing to do with my career. This is how much I charge. And if you're going to get something, that is what it's going to be. And that's what cracks me up about waiting till the new year. There's so much pressure on new year. we got to change who we are. It's a restart. It is not a restart. 
it's just an excuse to wait to change. And then yeah. half the time we fail at that change and there's so much pressure. And now we're doing this whole like self-work thing where we're like, no New Year's resolutions, which I love. But like, <laughs> if we want to change, change now. Like yeah. we're not guaranteed tomorrow. Why yeah, you can wait? change in April. <laughs> you don't have to, you can change in December. Yeah. Like, I think too, if you want to give back, if you want to, if we're talking about different people paying different things, I have some salon owners that, um, B. Rose in uh, Ohio, they, um, they're a salon that also started a nonprofit called Make a Day, mm -hmm. and they do haircuts for the homeless community. Um, and they've now got like a moving salon, they have, like a bus, it's like a salon, mm -hmm. and they go around the community and they do people's hair, and other hairdressers have signed up for it. But... Um, if you want to know more about it, it's called Make a Day, and it's by um, the salon, or it's hosted by the salon B Rose, and that's a way they need to make money to buy the bus. Mm -hmm. They need to make money to give to the charity, to take the time away from work to give back to the community. So this whole like don't like you're making too much money, and you're not taking these people into consideration. That's not how it works. Yeah. That's not how it works in a capitalist society. Mm -hmm. If we were in a different you know, type of society, it would be a different conversation. Mm -hmm. But these are the rules and regulations and systems that we have in place. It is better for you to make money and then to give that money back to the areas that you want to give back to. Well, even in leadership, like, one of the one things that I know a lot of our students either succeed at or, or come in, you know, to the program saying, I want to do this, is benefits. Mm -hmm. You can't give benefits if the business isn't making money, if your team isn't making <laughs> money to afford the benefits. So that's something that you have to think about too. It's like, I can help my individual team not only make more money, create a savings, create I don't a think, plan. I don't think there's any salon out there that's like, I don't want to give my team health insurance. Yeah. No, they all want to, but how do they do it? Right. You have to be able to make more to give more. Now, if you're in a conscious place of, I want to make more to make more, and be greedy, then it's like we've said before, it's Between all gonna, you and God. yeah, it's all gonna <laughs> fail. And you know, something is probably gonna come. But if you're if you're in a space of I wanna be able to give back, I wanna help elevate these people, I wanna give back to our community, whether that's looking like going to shelters and doing hair, or donating money, or I think everyone should do donate a percentage of their money and have it part of their their our salons plan. that are in our program donate one percent of their profits to a local mm -hmm. charity. Of their choice. Of their choice. And it's just part of how we set salons up for success. And it's a way of giving back to the community and that you're a part that you're taking from. Mm -hmm. Sid, let's talk about the sexiest topic in our industry today. What's that? Business insurance, which is why we have teamed up with Guild, G-I-L-D. Guild Insurance has streamlined the business insurance process. By evaluating multiple trusted insurance providers, they'll find you the partner you deserve in just minutes. We partnered with Guild because they are shaking up the insurance industry as much as we are shaking up the beauty industry. Guild offers business guidance and resources even after you're fully insured. They are making insurance inclusive and personalized. To learn more about Guild and your business insurance options, visit yourguild.com DTH. I also had to give someone permission uh, that works with me for a long time as a student. She said, but I want to give back right now, but I don't have anything. I don't have anything to give back. Mm -hmm. Like, but I. But it weighs on me. And I said, well, let's focus on a year of extreme business growth, where 
just for a year, you're going to be selfish. Mm-hmm. You're going to make more money. You're going to hire more people. You're going to charge more money. You're going to become top of your game. And then after that year, once your income has increased, then we're going to take a por- portion of that income and we're going to start giving it away. But that person just needed some permission to be like, okay, I, I'm going to do this, but I have to get myself mm-hmm. in the right position. I love when I see all the hairstylists that go to like travel go places that help, especially when there's like big disasters or things like that. But they couldn't do that without making the income to be able to step away. Right. Or to have the savings to fly or, you know, whatever that looks like. And I don't know why we put so much weight on waiting. (laughs) Weight on waiting. You know, like it it doesn't make sense and it's just prolonging. And It's funny. I'm going to wait to raise my prices, but I want to give back to the community immediately. Yeah. This doesn't make sense. It's not going to work. It's not going to last. Yeah. And if it's, to be honest, I think a lot of times it's, I, I want to look good and feel good about what I do, mm-hmm. which also isn't sustainable. No. It's a responsibility, not a, not a, you shouldn't be getting high from it. It should just be part of your responsibility as a human. Yeah. Um, which is why we don't really talk about where we give to. Yeah. Because it's, it's not just something. a responsibility. Exactly. That's the thing. It's like, it's a bill. It's not for bragging rights. It's because we should be doing that and we yeah. should be giving back and we should be helping. I hear all the time, I, yeah, I, I go once a month to the women's shelter and do this and it makes me feel so good. I'm like, well, that's not really mm-hmm. That's doing giving. things with agenda. You're taking, if anything, from yeah. us women. It's a good thing to do in action, mm-hmm. but where's the consciousness? Mm-hmm. Is this for you? Or is this actually because this is an obligation that you have as a person in your community? So I think changing that consciousness is really, really important. But I, I, we hear it all the time. So, you know, kind of bringing it all back to raising your prices, you need to, if, if something that drives you is being able to give back to your community, which a lot of hairdressers, that is what drives them. I hear a lot of hairdressers are not driven by money. I am driven by money. I like making money. I like being able to, we were able to create our show because mm-hmm. our company makes money. Now we can give money back to contestants and have a reality show and do all these things, which costs us so, worth so it. much money. <laughs> but it was so worth it. But the idea is like, that is what I like about making money. It does unlock some things. It unlocks opportunities for you to do. It's just the question is, are you going to be responsible with it? Mm-hmm. And sometimes if raising your prices is difficult because it's, it's emotional. Emotional. Make it like I have to make more money to get back to the world. I have to make more money to get back to the planet. I have to give more money. If you want to save the planet, recycling's not gonna do it. Yeah. You gotta make the money to take care of it. Yeah. Right? It's you gotta you money is a very important player Who's in the game. paying for that recycling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Money's a very recycling important. is expensive. Yeah, recycling that's a whole other that's a whole other topic. We'll have to have a second a second uh, show. But I, I think that's the thing is it's stop waiting to make the changes in your business. Stop waiting for these unrealistic markers. Dive into it. Just also, go. stop waiting to be wealthy. Yeah. There's a big fear in our industry about being wealthy and what that will look like. And like, I've heard the word sellout so many times, but I, that, I feel like that's That's just, part of business growth is the growth. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if selling is selling out. Mm-hmm. Selling to make money to do the next thing, to help and to give back is very important. Even just, even if it's about protecting your family. I know so many people that are hairdressers that remain in their poverty consciousness of I can only make $30,000 a year, but I have four kids and... Or I have to make this. I have to make enough 
If I make oh, this, yeah, I that's need, enough. I just need to make 30. I make 30, but I, need, I just need to make 35. Yeah. Like, that's we've got to think bigger. It's not enough. And we I have to think bigger. And I think, you know, January is one of those months where we do have a little bit of an energy boost in our mind of like, I can do it now. So if you didn't do it in November and you're listening to this, do it now. Mm-hmm. If you're not listening to this in January, do it now. Yeah. <laughs> just do it now. <laughs> if you're listen- whenever, whatever month you're in listening to this, just do it right now when you end the podcast. Because I think that that's the most important part. I've never seen someone make a change in their business immediately um, and, and regret fail. it. Yeah. And regret it. And the funny thing is, is they actually, the one thing they regret is not doing it sooner. Every time. They're like, why did I push this so off? I'm like, how does your price raise go? No one cared. No one batted an eye. In fact, they thanked me. In fact, they congratulated me. And I or wish I would one person left, but I didn't want to work with them anymore. Exactly. It's like, I, the, when I hear that, it makes me sad because they're like, I should or, have done this a year ago. Or I should have done more. Yeah. Or I should have done more. That's a big one too. Like, you know, I do the math for them. I'm like, this is what you could have made this year if we would have done this then when you said it. Right. This is what you know we we would be projected to make if you did you know the number that we originally wanted to do. And when they see those, it's kind of like wow. we we suggest that you raise your prices every six months based on your retention. Mm-hmm. If you have great retention every six months, keep going. Once once the retention dips, then you've hit a really good. Stay there for a little bit. Yeah. And then it'll grow back up and then we'll do the same thing. So it's not that you should change it every six months permanently every six months, but it's that's the mark to check it. Mm-hmm. And when, we, when I tell people that, they're like, you think we should raise our prices every six months? Who's, who, said, who said we can't? Who said we can't? No one. It's like someone <laughs> did it. This is what happened. Someone was successful and they're like, yeah, we do price raises every year. And then that person went open to salon and they're like, oh, well, we do price raises every year. And it has trickled down this so-called... Uh, rule, and also, and it's also based on corporate world too, right? Because it's based on annual reviews and things like that. But we're not corporate. We are not corporate, and we can do whatever the hell we want because yeah. it's our business. And I think too, when you look at the wealthiest hairdressers, they're all white men, mm-hmm. and they're usually straight white men. Sorry, straight white men, but we need women up Just there. Showing facts. Why are there? Why are the women in our industry, which is our industry, is mainly women mm-hmm. um, and LGBTQIA people? Why are they not the wealthiest when there's they're the majority? Yeah. And yet, still, the minority is white straight men who are like making the most. Yeah. And the difference is that they don't have the barrier and they don't have the That's lack of barrier. confidence, right? And there's also like an expectation, like of course they would. But we need, I can't wait till like a woman is up there. Yeah. There are successful women up there. There just are, not yes. Enough. Not enough and they're not, I want them even mm-hmm. higher. When you start to list successful hairdressers, I want to hear, I want you to struggle to come up with. Yeah. Know. Or even every hair show, it's like 18 men, one woman. Mm-hmm. One but person of color. And one person, yeah. And maybe none. Yeah. But I think the... The idea is, you know, there's a difference between, like, we know Vivian McKinder, mm-hmm. but is she the wealthiest of yeah. the wealthy? I don't, I don't know. We know her, mm-hmm. but like, I'm talking about money wise. Yeah. Like, who's charging the most? Who's making the most? And it's, it's rarely women or. Someone has to set that bar. Yeah. It'll be you. Okay. <laughs> Done. I charge $1 billion per 
second. You'd only have to do one haircut a year if you did. Ten years. <laughs> twenty years. One haircut every twenty years. Done. The future of our that's the future of DTH. Yeah. We just teach people how to do one billion dollar haircuts. Yep, that's every it. so often. Yep. Whenever you feel like it. I love it. Someone would pay it. I know. That's the fucked up part. Somebody would pay it. I love to tell a story about, I'm going to call her out, one of our now coaches, Lo Shabino. Lo Shabino. Hey, Lo. When she was still my student, we were working on her hourly pricing. <laughs> I love this story. And she was doing $100 an hour, and she only cut, so she had just an hour cut. And I was like, you need to have a two-hour option on there. And she's like, $200? And I was like, yeah, that's that's what, that's two what, hours. That's what the two hours is. And she was like, well, no one's going to pay $200 for, you know, a haircut. And I'm like, well, do you ever spend two hours on someone? And she's like, yeah, occasionally. I was like, okay, well, it's it's a very, they're paying for the time with you, regardless of what And people have different getting. types of hair. They know their hair. So she amused me and put it up there. And we had a phone conversation later in the evening. It was like around dinner time. And I think the next morning she texted me and two people. She didn't promote it. She didn't even announce it. And two people had booked that service within yep. a few hours. And she called me and we were cry laughing because that's the whole point. And and then she was like, I don't know why I didn't do this sooner. Yeah, be, it, it's just a block. And now she's 200 an hour. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. So I think that's the, that's the thing is like, that's the point of coaching is we know what can happen. And you don't have to believe in yourself. You need to trust the coach, mm-hmm. right? You don't. That you're investing money in. Yeah, Fine, blame us. Yeah, I'll take the blame. Yeah, put it up there. Tell me, if it doesn't work, then I was wrong. Yep. We're never wrong. <laughs> I've never had someone raise their prices and not yeah. do well. Um, I've never been wrong with a price raise. Ever. Because it's usually been years since their last price raise, unfortunately. I mean, my one of my students, who's now a coach as well, when I met her, her haircut was $75 for a haircut. She wasn't doing it hourly. It was just the haircut's $75. And I said, I will work with you as soon as you charge $150 an hour. So we're doubling that price. And she doubled it the next day. And now she charges $350 an hour. Insane. So we're not even, I look back at, like, she started at $75 and now she's $350. Like, she has people. Within a few years. Within a few years. She has people, you know, signing up, sitting in her chair. She works less. She works, like, one or two days a week, and she can actually run her business because... And she probably makes more behind the chair than she ever did. Mm-hmm. Insane. We also have a coach that charges $500. We do have a coach that charges... An hour. And these people are in it. Wisconsin and yeah, in North Carolina. Yeah, location doesn't matter. It's not L.A. or New York. Everyone thinks, oh, I, I can't do that because I'm not in L.A. or New York or Miami or wherever the hell. It, the people that are charging the most are actually, like, in the middle of smaller mm-hmm. towns. What's funny is this career... They've carved out their reputation. Has This career has an expiration date. And what happens is we usually are too afraid still in the end to say, I'm raising my prices. Instead, people say, well, I'm quitting doing hair. But the reality is we never quit hair. No. My mom's been a hairdresser for her whole life. You hand me a pair of shears, I don't care how old I am. Yeah. You're going to know how to use them. I can cut so-and-so's hair. So why not cap yourself out? If you're going to do hair, let it be worth it. If... If someone's going to sit in your chair, the day they're going to pay you $500. The day you decide I'm not doing hair anymore, instead of saying I don't do hair, you charge $1,000 an hour. Mm-hmm. That way, if someone does want to pay you, yeah. it's worth you, no matter what age you are, or whatever. Like it's worth the energy and effort. But to, to just stop doing it, 
silly because you're still going to do it. Charge a million dollars an hour. You're still going to have care. that just, one client and you're like, oh, she's been with me forever, so I'm just going to do her real quick in the back and charge her less than I used to because I don't do hair anymore. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. It does not make sense. The goal in this industry should be to, I, I think also every time, like having someone now that charges $350 an hour, $500 an hour, I have another student who's about to charge $1,000 an hour mm-hmm. for extensions. And what I don't think these people understand because they're so worked on their own, like I got to figure this out and I, I want to, make this money is that you've now carved a path for future generations like this is now done yeah so like now a thousand dollars that's setting the bar high like i don't think anybody knows who the top prices are or the top salons that charge the most and those like we should talk about it regardless of location that's what we need to really start to get up to because that's the growth that's what we want to keep we don't want to stop growing yeah every time you raise your prices all of the people that are less than you all over the U.S., all over the world, can look at you and say, okay, I can actually, this is possible. Mm -hmm. So it's not even just for you. It's this whole kind of momentum for the whole industry to wake up to the fact that we can make real money here. Wake up. Wake up, motherfuckers. (laughs) It's time to wake up and make money. So change now. Do it now. Don't wait. It is terrifying. I think the worst thing you can do is... They're like, well, I don't want to create, you know, the whole, like, rip the Band-Aid off. But they don't really rip the Band-Aid off. They oh, just... it turns into this. Well, how do I tell my clients? Yeah. What do I do if they don't like it? Yeah. Like, it turns into this all is these why, different, like, excuses. if you listen to our business therapy episode, it's so important because there's so much emotion by this. And this is what working with, with a coach is so helpful with is it's so supportive on the back end of, okay, okay, let's talk about these feelings. Let's break these down because when you are really, you know— owning up to these feelings and facing them, that's when the changes can start happening. It's not like you get a coach and we're like, raise your damn prices, and if you don't do it, we're going to shank you. Like, it's, let's I want talk to, about sometimes. Yeah, because I want to shake them because we see their potential. No, I want to shank them. Yeah, that too. <laughs> I'm like, raise your <laughs> prices. But that's the thing. It's like, it, it needs to happen now. I, and by the way, anyone who tells me any, any excuse I've heard, I've already heard it. Mm-hmm. So please don't come to us as a coach with an excuse. I've been doing this for 10 years. I've heard it all. <laughs> I've heard every, I mean, I've heard the most bizarre. Ex- I, I love when I get a new one because I'm like, you know what? That's a new one. <laughs> then someone tells, I'm going through a divorce. I can't do it right now. Mm, this, is this is the, the time. best time. Yeah. This is the time. There's moments where you need someone who knows more than you. Yeah. And that can tell you you're wrong. I think that's Or have a bird's eye view. Yeah. I think that's what's missing. When you're in the thick of it, you can't see right in front of you. So, yeah. Raise your prices. (laughs) Right now. Actually, right Right now. Like, right now. We'll wait. We'll wait, yeah. (laughs) Did you do it? (laughs) Okay. Messages after this episode on Instagram that you, you listened and you did it. Yeah. And maybe you'll get a prize. And the prize is a picture of you and I going... Yay! (laughs) Fuck yeah! (laughs) I love it. Bye! (laughs) I'm like, done. Next time on Destroy the Hairdresser, the podcast. And And it's founded in how we are as Americans. Like, if I work hard, this is the place where you can work hard and be anything. But, ugh. (laughs) <laughs> like, I don't think that's really true. I mm-hmm. think I think there's more opportunities here. I don't think that just because you worked hard means that it's going to all 
pay off for you. Yeah. 